Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the middle of the week. Cork today, John Paul Sadie taking your calls 1850-333-103. We always love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Normally on a Wednesday, we're looking for your gardening questions. Unfortunately, Peter Dowd are not available uh, to us today. So hold off on your gardening questions, uh, please. But what a day we had uh, yesterday. There was times yesterday... <laughs> I felt you couldn't write at this. The government's new plan for living with COVID-19. That's what we were all talking about this time yesterday as we were waiting the press briefing which was going to occur at about half past 11 uh, yesterday. But the whole day seemed to have been plunged into a chaos. There was communication uh, blunders and then of course the icing on the cake. There was a virus scare that impacted the entire cabinet. Ministers were forced to restrict their movements while awaiting the outcome of the Health Minister Stephen uh, Donnelly's COVID-19 test. Now, luckily that did come back uh, negative. With the rate of new cases continued to skyrocket, cabinet members were told to avoid contact with anyone from outside their household. household. The development then followed confusion over new restrictions from Dublin where the number of new cases of course are continuing uh, to spike and yesterday following on from the living with COVID we waited on the figures from yesterday and we got the figures yesterday which showed 218 cases were recorded in Dublin alone in the previous 24 hours the the cabinet uh, decided against moving Dublin into a higher category of restrictions than the rest of the country and I think that baffled most people. It is understood that the National Public Health Emergency Team, NEFIT, will now be advising more severe measures for the capital and they're ex- they are I'd say they've been saying it all along but they are pushing for an announcement to be made tomorrow. Official government advice on the first phase of restrictions for Dublin were amended and updated were told according to newspapers today on at least two occasions 
after the plan for living with COVID-19 were published. I mean, we had we took the press conference live here on the programme and we were all listening out to see what was going to be announced for ourselves here in Cork and the rest of the country. But we were particularly interested in what was going to be announced for Dublin. Well, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin failed to outline in any detail the new restrictions that would be in place for uh, Dublin. And then it was only afterwards we had to wait to find out exactly what was going on for Dublin. So Dublin now has a ban on more than two households meeting. There's a, a limit of 100 people at any outdoor sporting event. And of course, the one, the best kept secret of them all was that the, the pubs, the wet pubs cannot open in Dublin next uh, Monday. The official advice also says that people living in Dublin should be encouraged to limit travel outside the region and only meet one other household uh, when outside the uh, county. However, while that advice was being published, telling Dubliners, stay within your own region, please don't travel outside of uh, Dublin. The Stephen Donnelly, this is before he went for his COVID-19 test, when he was asked about people living in Dublin and would they be allowed to travel around the country? He said, absolutely, they can travel outside the county and they're, they're free to travel, like the rest of the country are free to, free to travel. And then the Tisha came under fire in the doll when the Labour Party leader, Alan uh, Kelly, uh, accused Stephen Donnelly of contradicting the new plan. A new Dublin lockdown risks much more severe economic consequences though than lockdowns in Kildare, Leash uh, and Offaly. And that's economists are coming out and warning about this. You know, when the rest of the country are saying, why are they not locking down Dublin like they did with Kildare, Leash and Offaly? Well, economists are saying that's going to, that would be a major blow for the economy. The capital is host to one third of all jobs in this country and it accounts for €43 out of every €100 generated in the economy. And that's economists looking at the pounds, shillings and pence of it. But, you know, when I saw that, I was saying, okay, a lot of money is generated in Dublin. But if we don't get a grip and we don't get a handle on the number of COVID-19 cases in Dublin and they continue to rise and the protections are that they will double. We'll get to the stage where they will be. Did I hear yesterday one of the health experts saying we could get to a stage where there could be up to like 5,000 cases a day in Dublin if we don't get a handle on it now? And if we go down that route of not locking down Dublin, then surely the whole country is going to be affected. And if we go back to the lockdown that we had back in the early days, back in March, then it isn't just the €43 in every €100 generated in the economy. The rest of the country are going to be affected and the whole economy is going to come to a standstill. So I don't know if the argument put forward by economists stands uh, stands with me at the moment. And then on that whole dispute about should Dubliners be allowed to leave, should they remain within their county, as we all had to do during one of the previous lockdown uh, phases. And the plan is encouraging people to li- to limit travel outside, outside the region. And I've heard Pascal O'Donoghue this morning when he was asked if somebody in Dublin has been invited to a wedding or another event in some other part of the county, some other part of the country, should I say, this weekend or in the coming weeks, should they go? And Pascal O'Donoghue clearly said his advice would be that they should reconsider and not leave Dublin uh, at all. And that really is what is contained contained in the official advice is in, they're encouraging them to limit their travel. And yet we had the Minister for Education speaking 
after that announcement saying that people are in Dublin are absolutely free to travel outside of the outside of their county. So it's all that mixed messaging. I think that really frustrated a lot of people yesterday. Now yesterday afternoon, Stephen Donnelly was advised to go for a test for the virus. He became unwell and it was following the launch of the plan and see many people there said you could noticeably see that the man was uh, unwell. Some ministers reported that their Fianna Fáil colleague appeared visibly unwell then afterwards at a cabinet meeting. Hours later, Acting Chief Medical Officer Roland Glynn, he advised Stephen Donnelly to consult with his GP and the GP said, look, you need to go off and get uh, tested. And then the advice was that those who attended the meeting should restrict their movements and that was out of an abundance of caution. It was later confirmed that Dr Glim was also restricting his movements having attended uh, meetings with the Health Minister in recent um, uh, days. And then we found out then after that that the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan, he was already restricting his movements at home. That's because a family member was being tested. And then the European Affairs Minister Thomas Byrne was also self-isolating because he had developed a mild cough. Then a short time after the news of Minister Donnelly being unwell, the Kian Corla made a statement in the Dáil. This was at about a quarter past five, saying that the Cabinet was being forced to self-isolate and then that the House would be suspended for the rest of the week. However, the government later said that senior ministers were being told to restrict their movements rather than self-isolate. So someone communicated the wrong information to the Ciancorla. The Ciancorla heard that they were self-isolating. He then felt he'd know the choice but to spend the doll. Then it turns out they weren't self-isolating. They were only told to restrict their movements, which would mean they would have to avoid contact with others as much as possible rather than remain indoors and effectively quarantine. So then the decision to suspend the doll was reversed within an hour. Now, it seems the Alan Kelly, the head of the opposition, rang the Taoiseach saying, what are you doing? Why are you suspending the doll? And I heard the Count Corla talk about the suspension of the doll, saying for the rest of the week he couldn't even give a date when the doll was going to come back. So obviously the Taoiseach then had to think about it and said, OK, we have the junior ministers. They were nowhere near Stephen Donnelly. They can stand in for the members of the Cabinet. They can speak on behalf of the government. So what did he do? Let's get the doll back in session again. And then seemingly there was a ring around telling everyone that they were to be back for uh, eight o'clock. The cabinet were told were being cautious because there was a number of meetings that Stephen Donnelly had had intended, including where he briefed the whole cabinet on the living with the COVID-19 plan. Uh, but Michal Martin was a pains to point out, even though he was self-isolating or restricting his movements, whatever way you want to look at it, he said he was continuing to work via Zoom and on the phone. And he says, I will be at my desk. So it was just one of those days where it seemed to be confusion after confusion after confusion. And I don't know if anybody took time last night. You can actually go online and go through all of the different level one, level two, level three, level four and level five. The It's all available online if you go to gov.ie forward slash COVID-19. There's so much information on that particular website if you want to go through all of the different levels of the plan. And we're going to be discussing it uh, in a couple of minutes with our political editor, uh, Sean Defoe. But all of the newspapers today are really breaking it down as well as to what's in the plan. There is a little bit, though, when you go through some of it. I mean, I went through it yesterday and there is a little bit of confusion, particularly the one I was mentioning to Simon. There's still no clear indication of how we move from the different levels 
for example, we're in level two at the moment. Now, Dublin is slightly different uh, to the rest of the country, but all of us here in Cork and all of the other counties, we are in level two, which means you can have up to six visitors from three households and that uh, that includes your own. So up to six visitors from up to three households, including your own. So that just means two other households, does it? I, I need clarification on that one. Up to 15 people outdoors from three households, including your own. You can have 50 guests at a wedding. You can have 50 people in groups of six. That's an indoor controlled event. You put the, if you're you're gathering 50 people together in a group to all meet indoors, you put them into like pods of six and then you don't mix. Each pod stays on their own, but you can get 50 people together that way. You can have 100 people at larger venues. You can have up to 200 at a 5,000 seater outdoor stadium. I'm hoping to get more further clarification on that because I know that the GAA and the Rugby Union and the FAI are all getting together and they are going to try and put a plan together which will allow more people at some of our bigger outdoor stadiums. So we'll, so there may be a slight shift on that. Um, you can have 50 people at a religious ceremony which is where we're at at the moment and bars, restaurants and cafes all remain open with protective measures and of course the only real change from where we are at the moment is that uh, wet pubs will be allowed to open with strict measures. So there isn't a lot of change really. The only one is the pubs opening on Monday and of course uh, for Dublin they've got to limit the number of people and the number of households that people come from as one of their big ones. They've also been told that the pubs can't open and they've also now been advised not to leave the county of Dublin. But it is expected that Dublin will move from level two to level three and that comes with a lot more restrictions. For example, they would, if we had to move to level two, uh, to level three, visitors to homes would only be allowed to come from one household. There's no social gathering. If you're having a wedding, you can only have 25 guests. There's no indoor gathering. If there's an outdoor event, there can't be more than 15 people. There's no sporting matches if they move to level three. But there's also additional restrictions for indoor dining. But I can't get the information as to what does it mean additional restrictions to indoor dining. Can't quite find out uh, what that is. But if you want to go through all of the different levels, as I say, you can go online. And I've also spotted this morning that a booklet with the detail of the framework will be distributed to homes across the country buy on post. You can download it if you want to but they're going to send it out to every household across uh, the country and post will be delighted with the work if they aren't busy enough as it is and I know back at the very early days of the pandemic on post was delivering a leaflet you remember from the government and we didn't all get it. I got the Irish version and I never got the English uh, version and I know here at work we got the English version but I don't think we got the Irish uh, version and I know we were forever getting calls in from people who didn't receive one of the booklets so we'll wait and see uh, when, how soon the booklet starts to arrive and will everybody in the country get one. 1850 Our lines are open if you want to share anything with us or how you feel about how yesterday went and all of the mixed messaging. Are you confused? Do you feel better now that there is this plan in place that is going to carry us through with, until next uh, April? Your thoughts welcomed. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Your texts coming into us, Meg says, carry on Ireland. What a farce with what we heard uh, yesterday. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. I'm bewildered by these new restrictions. Can people travel to Dublin or not? Says the from listener. That there's a good question. I have no idea if people can travel to Dublin or, or not. People in Dublin are being advised not to travel outside of their region. When Kildare, Leash and Offaly went into lockdown, people were told not to, they were not allowed to travel outside of their 
county and people were told not to travel inside their county. Will that message change tomorrow when it's expected that Dublin will move to level three? Because I'm assuming if they move to level three, it's not quite a lockdown of the county. But do I assume from that they will be told not to leave the county and therefore people will be told not to go to Dublin? My obvious one is though when the system is saying can people travel to Dublin or not? I'm wondering how many people would be comfortable about going to Dublin at the moment when you see the rise in the figures. I mean, they had over 200 cases yesterday in Dublin alone just for that one uh, region and the numbers are rising in Dublin almost on a daily basis. So I wonder... Would people be nervous if you had an event to go to in Dublin? Would you uh, avoid it? I was going to say like the plague is probably the wrong word uh, to use. Now people talking about the politicians and what happened and the fact that they had to uh, suspend the doll while they were waiting on the COVID test to come back from Stephen uh, Donnelly. Why don't they Zoom and and have phone meetings? They'd be sparing the ozone level with all of the travel and also they would be sparing the exchequer funds and expenses. What good is technology without using it for the politicians who seem to be up and down the country like yo-yos? There's no need for it. They'd all be safer too from COVID-19 and surely they could have encrypted government sites. Yeah and somebody else is kind of making a similar point saying why don't they work from home themselves? They're telling the rest of the population where possible to work from home. Why can't politicians do it? This texter is saying, if a doctor can diagnose remotely, they're doing it over the phone, then why are they not working from home as well? Which is, yeah, which is a fair enough point. And of course, lots of people are raising this issue. How come the minister got a test so fast and a result so fast when the rest of us would have to wait. I, I also think this stage two, uh, two bit was never really explained. Well, it's level two is where we're at at the moment. It isn't really any different to what's going on, the way we're living our lives at the moment with the restrictions that are in place. It isn't really very different. Uh, the only real difference is that pubs will be able to open from next Monday except in Dublin. And a Butterfield listener says, can you tell me please, when pubs do open next Monday, will bar staffs Bar staff have to wear face covering. I'm assuming they will because the recommendations and the rules and the guidelines that have come in for the opening of the wet pubs are the very same that are in place for the restaurants and the staff and restaurants are all wearing face coverings. So yes, my my interpretation on the reading of it would be that yes, they do have to wear uh, face uh, coverings. Patricia, anyone suspected of having COVID-19 should be entitled to a rapid same-day test result that was afforded yesterday to the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Uh, if the government ever hopes to reduce the spread of the virus, the new plans will be ineffective if the testing and contact tracing is not improved significantly and you are 100% correct on uh, that. But I do know that the government said yesterday nobody will have to travel more than one hour for a COVID-19 test. This is under a revamp of the service and it's part of the government's new framework for managing the virus. Swabbing centres will be provided in every county because by the way they're not available in every county at the moment. That is hard to believe. They'll operate seven days a week and many of them Will, will work for 12 hours a day under the plan. The document promises to introduce a more accessible and sustainable testing service to meet the demands of people, particularly during the winter months. A dedicated testing workforce is being uh, created. They will recruit more than 700 people to take the swabs and 500 people to carry out the contact tracing. Ultimately, three 
thousand people will work in testing and tracing. In addition to the 30 test centres that are in place, there will also be six pop-up services will be provided. But no performance targets are included in the plan. That's what I was looking for. Give me the performance target. Tell me how quick it's going to be for me to get a test and what the turnaround is going to be. What they're saying is efficient turnaround times in line with international standards are promised but they're not giving actual figures. According to the latest HSE figures, almost half of referrals to appointments, half, are turned around in under 24 hours. That's good news. But 9.2% take over two days. It takes on average 28.8 hours from swab being taken in the community to a result. And certainly back in, was it June that I had my COVID-19 test? Uh, It was about 28 hours from when I had the test to when I actually got the uh, result. But they're saying half of the referrals Two appointments are turned around in under 24 hours, so it still means that half are not. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we know, the government yesterday published its uh, new roadmap for living alongside COVID. The entire country was placed into level two restrictions, although Dublin has a few extra layers. Our political correspondent, Sean Defoe, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning. And I think you're being attributed to calling uh, it level 2.5, even though the Taoiseach wasn't very happy to hear it referred to as level uh, 2.5. How was the news received in Dublin, particularly that the pubs won't be allowed to open? Uh, well, certainly among the publicans, not well. Obviously, they're the last um, bastion, if you like, the last industry that hasn't been allowed to open. They will be allowed to open everywhere else um, next week. Um, and uh, some of them are saying it's going to put them under, just fair and simple. They want, want a chance to trade. And given that the government was saying last week that they were going to end this impasse where, you know, pretending that a, a ham and cheese sandwich or a chicken fillet roll was going to protect you from the virus, why can't it, it happen in Dublin? Now, what government is saying is, look, there is serious escalation. We will have bigger problems in Dublin next week than just opening the pubs. But there is an inherent contradiction in the plan because under level three, which it looks as though Dublin will be upgraded to either later this week or early next week, it says that the pubs are allowed to open. So Dublin is being made a little bit of an exemption again. So there is a little bit of confusion in this plan. I do think overall the levels are relatively clear if they're actually stuck to. But the tinkering around the edges, the level uh, two plus and two and a half, as I called it yesterday, has left a, a little bit of confusion as to whether this is the exact levels we will see in all scenarios or whether there will be um, you know, level two plus or level three minus or whatever it is else it is. And then confusion as to whether the good people of Dublin are to stay in Dublin. Can they travel around the country or not? Uh, there's very different messages on this and it, uh, it seems to depend on who you've talked to in the last few hours. Under this level two and a little bit for Dublin, um, people are being advised, the official advice is that those living in Dublin should be encouraged to limit travel outside the region and only meet with one other household when they leave the county. Um, however, yesterday, the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly said in an interview that it, you know people were allowed to travel outside. There were officials saying yesterday that if you were going, for example, to a wedding outside of Dublin, that we're not going to stop you, but use your own discretion and use your responsibility. Now it seems that the more clear advice is don't travel outside the region. And if you do, um, then only meet with one other household. Can people outside of Dublin travel to Dublin? 
for the moment. Um, under level three, we are not entirely sure what the situation is with that. Under level three, people will be stopped from leaving Dublin altogether. I think what we will see in a scenario is that if it is for uh, essential work, if there is a nurse or a doctor commuting into Dublin, for example, that they will be allowed to travel, but that anyone else who usually works in Dublin and can work from home will be told to do so. And then we we have all of the different levels, one through to five, and obviously, you know, level three, level four, level five uh, come with tough, much tougher restrictions. Sean, do we know how we move between the levels? So there is quite a complicated criteria, and I think all along, I know what I've certainly been looking for, what a lot of people have been looking for, is a very clear this is your threshold. And then at least people can plan, businesses can plan, but it's a bit more nuanced on that, understandably. And the example that was used yesterday um, when I was talking to people behind the scenes is if you took Tipperary, for example, a couple of weeks ago, Tipperary um, started to to peak in terms of the number of cases per 100,000. I think it hit more than 70 at one point. But public health officials knew that was because of two specific clusters uh, to do with, uh, with meat plants, and therefore the concern wasn't as big as as it otherwise might have been. It wasn't community transmission and they decided not to step up the county-wide restrictions but just to do it in those particular locations and, and to test there. So the criteria is based on a number of different things. The cases per 100,000 over a five-day and over a two-week period will be looked at. The number of hospitalizations, the amount of people in ICU, community transition, all of that feeding in to Nefert, who will then be able to get a sense of, okay, is this an isolated cluster? Is that why the per 100,000 case has gone up? Or is it a wider problem? And if it's a wider problem, we probably need uh, to step up. But they're saying that that will be well communicated to any county, like it is being with Dublin at the moment. Everyone in Dublin knows further restrictions are going to be on the way. Yeah, and and how do you think, how do you think that's going to go down in, in Dublin? I think at this stage, a lot of people think it, it, it's inevitable and they, they know it is it is going to happen. At least there is now a roadmap. We know what level three looks like and it's not as bad as the, the where we were in March. It's not anywhere near as bad as that. Schools will be allowed to stay open, creches, colleges, a lot of workplaces, a lot of working from home. Really, it's going to be the pubs and the travel outside the county. No one likes it. No one's going to want to have to do it. I know myself, I'd love to be able to, to go home and, and have the option even to go home and see my parents at the weekend or, or go outside to go down to the beach if it's another sunny weekend in Wicklow or Wexford or whatever it is. But a lot of people, like everywhere across the country, we just accept, okay, we need to do this for a while. This The virus is bigger than all of us, and if we put in restrictions, hopefully it will suppress the spread of it and we'll back to, be back to a lower level soon. And the figures are really worrying in, in Dublin, Sean. I mean, even yesterday with 357, which was one of the highest numbers we've we've had in many, many months on a single day, 218 of those were in the capital. Yeah, and two two areas specifically are seeing problems in the southeast and the northwest of the county. And there's parts of the capital that have moved above the kind of 120 cases per 100,000 mark, which is, was the trigger point for the, the lockdown in the Midlands earlier on in the summer. So there is a lot of worry there. There is community spread that, that doesn't seem to be abating. The government has, to be fair to them, I think, tried to give people a chance to get on top of this themselves. Neffet made their recommendations almost this day last week on Thursday to introduce the new restrictions. That didn't happen until last night and they're going to meet tomorrow to see if uh, it'll be possible to give it the weekend to see if the spread does actually... Uh, stop a little bit and if people have heeded the message in the last two weeks but if it doesn't unfortunately uh, there's only one thing that means And of course yesterday you really you, you couldn't write what happened yesterday certainly inside in the doll. Were you one of the media that had to restrict your movements? 
Uh, well, we, this, we didn't actually get any sort of a notification. We were uh, ringing because uh, after the cabinet meeting, um, with which Stephen Donnelly spent for um, about three hours with his cabinet colleagues, they were all told to restrict the movements. We were then in a room with uh, the health minister for around about an hour now, all very well socially distanced, uh, far away from each other, wearing masks, all that kind of thing. But whenever you're in a kind of enclosed setting, and when we did inquire, we weren't able to get any sort of answer about what we should be doing. And it seems some ministers at first weren't even aware that they should be able to should have been restricting their movements. It was very, very confused. The Count Corda came in and shut down the doors seemingly for the week and told everyone that the Cabinet was self-isolating, which came as a surprise to some of the Cabinet who were not been told to <laughs> restrict their movements or self-isolate or anything of the sort at the time. Um, so the, the communication around it was, was very, very messy. Now, in the end, it didn't matter a huge amount because, thankfully, um, Stephen Donnelly tested negative last night with quite a quick turnaround test. But um, for a group that is making the rules around COVID and has been telling every business for the last six months to have a very clear plan in place as to what happens when somebody gets COVID and in the classroom, in a business, wherever it is. It didn't seem to have a huge amount of a coherent plan last night for when one of them maybe got it. What, did, the, did the here look at the wrong message? Was, was that what happened? Did he, I mean, because they were never told to self-isolate. It was, they were told to restrict their movements. Did somebody pass yeah, they, the wrong information to him? That, that seems to be, and uh, certainly that was what the Count Corner was, was um, suggesting when he came into the Dáil again, when the Dáil resumed last night, that he had been told, and to be fair, you could see him on the camera consulting with the clerk of the Dáil. Both of those are intelligent men. They, w- they wouldn't do something uh, extremely rash unless they had been told by someone in government that this was the situation. And that announcement went out. It was obviously wrong. And he came back in later and said, look, that was what I was told. And when he's told something like that, yeah. um, if it was true, that would be the appropriate action probably to take, at least in the, the initial term until we got on top. So uh, the judge just seemed to have been a complete breakdown as to who was communicating this uh, at that time, whether that be from the Department of Health, the Department of the Taoiseach, we're not 100% sure. OK, and the good news is that it was the result came back negative. Stephen Donnelly just obviously has a, has a head cold or something. He's fine. He's fine. He's, uh, yeah, well, in terms of COVID, he's fine anyway. Um, a number of his colleagues said he didn't appear to be feeling very well yesterday. Um, and uh, he, he had self-isolating last night, got seen by his PC for COVID test. So uh, other than that, he is thankfully OK. okay. There isn't an outbreak of COVID here. OK, I know how busy you are today and you have another interview scheduled, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, Sean, a pleasure as always. We'll talk again. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is our political correspondent, uh, Sean Defoe. A listener says, how come Limerick wasn't uh, mentioned. They're obviously getting, a, I must, must look at Limerick, they must be getting a handle on their figures because initially when we were talking about a rise in Dublin, they were also putting, saying a rise in Limerick, but Limerick certainly hasn't been mentioned, so they must be starting to flatten the curve there. And someone says, if they, if people in Dublin travel outside of Dublin, they simply spread the virus. We need to slow it down. Dubliners need to stay in Dublin. And Dermot said, where people just give the government a break, they would have, they Enough, they would have enough to be doing in normal times without having to deal with everything that's going on at the moment. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862 Now, as we've mentioned, the entire cabinet and indeed members of the press were advised to restrict their movements yesterday afternoon as Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, awaited a COVID-19 test result. Door business was then suspended, but there was a U-turn on that decision that was made in under an hour when the Taoiseach said that the junior ministers could fit in for the cabinet colleagues. Independent door deputy Micah Collins uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Michael. 
We're having a problem there with uh, Michael. Let me put uh, that back out and see if we can clean up that line. He certainly was there a moment ago, but he seems to have uh, disappeared. Tom says they are telling, this is the government, are telling everyone don't travel. Why can't the doll work from home? They have the technology. Also, how did Stephen Donnelly get his test within a couple of hours when the ordinary Joe Soap would have to wait a couple of days between actually getting a test and then actually getting a result? Am I going to four? Four, okay, Michael Collins. Hopefully, Michael, are you there? Yes, you went into the abyss. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I was outlining what happened yesterday with the suspension of the doll and then the U-turn. Uh, on the, the 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 decision was made when the Taoiseach said the junior ministers could fill in for the cabinet colleagues. Could the message have got any more confusing yesterday? It's a, it was a complete uh, shambles, uh, especially for Maureen. In the doll, you know, we were doing business as, as, as we should be, and there was a schedule of business ahead. All of a sudden, out of the blue, a boat out of the blue, Simon Donnelly was sick. That's respectful. We understand that. Uh, but that did, shouldn't have led to the closing of the doll. Maybe the suspension of the doll for a few hours to try and reorganise ourselves, I could respect that. But certainly the closing of the doll until next Tuesday, is what we were told, was um, uh, showing a complete and utter lack of leadership and, and understanding out there, Patricia. On a day when the government are trying to get the message of how we are to live with COVID-19, it seems incredible that they could get it so wrong. It is, and they have a new PR company um, signed up to, to deliver this message, and they couldn't have delivered a worse message out there, because you, and I know, Patricia, there's schools out there that have, that have uh, maybe children or staff that have COVID-19, and they're all told to continue. Um, everybody else should continue and go to school, the uh, meat factories. Workers proving uh, having COVID and they're all having to walk uh, through this. And we certainly could have walked through this yesterday, even if it was a positive test uh, for uh, Stephen Donnelly. But it wasn't a positive test, which you um, again asked further questions as to why the hysteria around someone getting sick. Yes, there has to be an understanding that he has to be tested if, if there's a worry there, and that's understandable. But I had no contact with the minister, but we were being told as TDs, we were all in close contact with him. The closest contact I got to any minister was the teacher yesterday. When I raised the question about the cross-border initiative, the cat rector, uh, was it going to continue? And my, my grave doubts is it's going to continue, but that's another issue. For an- Okay, I think we're going to have to leave Michael there, um, John Paul, uh, because he's just obviously in a very bad area, whether he's travelling back down, I'm assuming, uh, to West Cork, he's in a very bad area um, on the phone. Um, But that was uh, Michael uh, Collins saying it was a bit of a shambles. I do want to talk to Michael, though. Uh, Maybe we might uh, speak with him at at a further point in time, because when he mentions the cross, when he just mentioned there the cross-border initiative, and of course, Michael is well known for his, the cataract bus that he runs to Belfast. There is a bit of good news on cataract operations because Own English has a piece in today's Examiner that a dedicated cataract surgery theatre is to be developed at the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital. They're going to refit a designated area with two side-by-side ophthalmology operating theatres. One will deal now with the more complex eye cases but the second one will serve as a dedicated cataract theatre and according to Owen in the examiner today it will have capacity for up to 2,000 cataract surgeries every year and that certainly has got to be a welcomed piece of news for now 
it's still not going to get fully through the list of people that are currently awaiting cataract. I think where the waiting list is, well, at the end of July, the waiting list was was at 5,525, but it is reducing. And it's certain if they can get to 2,000 a year off that list. And that's obviously a nationwide uh, figure of, of five, five and a half thousand. But if they could do two thousand cataract surgeries annually it would be fantastic because I think people are always baffled people very much welcome the cross-border initiative and the fact that those cataract buses are running but remember people have to pay to have the cataract operation done for example the ones that go to Belfast and then they get it back under the National Treatment Purchase Fund and when you look at the amount of money that has been paid out under the National Treatment Purchase Fund back in 2018 10 million was paid just on cataract operations uh, alone and then that was in 20 in the first six months of 2019 that figure had already gone to 12 million million and by the end of July this year um do I have the figure? No, I don't have the figures for that. Uh, and obviously there was less paid out this year because during lockdown all of the buses stopped even though the buses now are back up running again. So there's a, what, the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of money has to come out of the health budget to pay the private hospital in Belfast. They pay the people back who have paid uh, the private hospital in Belfast. So there's a lot of money and I, everyone was always baffled as to why that money couldn't be used to set up a dedicated cataract surgery. How often did we hear why couldn't surgeries, why couldn't they have a dedicated cases, ophthalmology, cataract surgery in the likes of Bantry Hospital why would you not put it in the likes of Mallow Hospital but now they're looking like they're going to they're putting it into the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital so that certainly is good news for anybody who's listening to us who is on a cataract waiting list and while some people take that option to go to Belfast either themselves or to go on the buses organised by uh, Michael Collins it isn't all, not everyone can undertake. It's a long, long journey for, um, and a lot of course people getting cataract surgeries are in the main older people and some are just physically not able to do it and they're on this waiting list hoping to have it done here in uh, Cork. So uh, sooner rather than later we hope to have those two ophthalmology operating theatres operating here at the South Infirmary in Cork. 1853 I mentioned uh, as I was had to come out of the interview with Michael Collins because unfortunately he was in a bad area for a signal uh, that one thing I wanted to talk to him about and mention because I'm sure he welcomes it and this is this dedicated cataract surgery theatre that is to be developed at the South Infirmary and they're going to put in these two side-by-side operating theatres and what a great new story that's going to be for the five and a half thousand people who are awaiting cataract operations and they expect that when they're fully up and running they'll be able to do two thousand cataract operations a year. Somebody says, Tricia, I'm booked in to the South Infirmary for a cataract operation on the 5th of, of October. So this isn't new. That's from Pat. Uh, no, Pat, it is new. Um, what you, the, we know that ophthalmology uh, services, they moved from CUH and they moved them to the South Infirmary in 2014. But the problem is, and they, what they did was at the time, it was an existing orthopaedic theatre that was used for the ophthalmology services. Uh, service and it's been used since 2014 but the problem is that the hospital has five ophthalmology, op- ophthalmology consultant 
surgeons. But they've just got one day in theatre per week with most of the time spent on very complex and urgent cases. And having just one theatre has obviously limited the South Infirmary's capacity to perform routine cases and simple procedures because at the end of the day a cataract is seen as a simple procedure but because they've had such limited time in the theatre and that's why this new funding is now going to allow the hospital to refit a designated area and develop these two side-by-side ophthalmology theatres. So yes, cataract operations are going on but very low number compared to what's going to happen when these two surgeries are up and running. But can we wish you, Pat, the best of luck with your cataract operation on the October the 5th. Uh, Patricia, this is from Dennis. This is on the people who were saying, why are the doll why are all the TDs up in Dáil Éireann and why don't they, you know, they're telling the rest of the country where possible to work from home. We have the technology for Zoom calls. So many people are having meetings by Zoom over the internet now and people are saying, why can't the Cabinet sit? Why can't they do that? And if they were doing that, what happened yesterday with Stephen Donnelly would not have happened. Dennis, a man in the know, says Patricia. The Constitution requires the Dáil to sit in a physical place. So remote working would require a referendum to allow the TDs to work from home and I'm not sure the cost of a referendum would be justified says Dennis no and I don't think they would have anybody going out voting for sure at the moment I didn't realise that There's, uh, thank you Dennis uh, a man who knows his uh, constitution some of your calls coming into the programme this morning it's been quite busy keep them coming to John Paul and Sadie Marguerite was on to say she was in her uh, shop in her local town this week and she said there are signs up uh, on the door of every shop that face masks must be worn but in a particular shop a supermarket that Margarita was in she noticed school children they were teenagers uh, late teens and they weren't wearing masks and she said you're very brave Margarita she said sorry folks you know you, know, you should be wearing masks and she said, they actually cursed at her under their breath Should I said to the shop owner are you not enforcing people wearing masks in your supermarket and he said I'm reminding people but no I'm not enforcing people to wear them I find it very frustrating said Margarita that I have an underlying condition I wear a face mask all the time I in particular see older people 70 plus all of them wearing their face masks people are finding and many are finding it very uncomfortable but they're still wearing their face masks because they know it's the right and the proper thing to do and others do not. So where do we stand with instances like this? Yeah, and I heard somebody yesterday saying, because it is law, uh, what's the point of having legislation saying we must all wear face masks when in, in closed areas and the guard they are not infor- and enforcing it? And I know people can get very frustrated about it, but Marguerite, do not let that stop you wearing your mask. And can I say, you're very brave to have said it to the young people that they weren't wearing the mask because a lot of people, I think, would be a bit nervous about confronting uh, anyone. I suppose parents of teenagers please remind your young people that they, they're wearing them in the schools and they need to be wearing them uh, even though I've been in a supermarket a couple of days at that you know that lunchtime rush and there's an Aldi close by to a secondary school close to where I uh, live and I'm often I pop in there on, on the way home to pick up a few bits and pieces and the students are all in and out and I have to say in 99.9% of the young people they're always so mannerly and all of them are wearing their, their masks I think this week I only saw two and it's the first and it, they, they actually stood out because they weren't wearing their masks but in the main I think young people are being really good about wearing the masks but you will always get uh, the few who will decide to just do their own thing Nile to C103 on Facebook Messenger said what are the numbers that move us up or down the different levels Nile I'm scratching my head on this one as well as in the daily cases for example 
example, would it be 200 cases? Would it be 300 cases would dictate that we'd move to another level? Or if we went the other way, if we had no cases, would it mean that we'd move down a lower level? Surely that needs to be published and published now. What is the point also, says Nile, of locking down, for example, the whole of Cork City and County? Uh, Charleville in Cork is just a 15 minute drive away from Limerick, but yet they're 240 kilometres away from Dublin. Charleville to Crookhaven is a longer drive. That's always going to be a problem, I think, here with Cork City and County. And I assume if we get to the stage where we have to move up a level or move down a level, probably because we are the largest county, it might be done on a more regional level. You know, like they might put, say, West Cork into a cluster together. They might put North Cork, East Cork, or then they might, you know, if the city got bad with cases, they might put the city into a hub on its own and move them into a different level. I don't know, but I don't know what the daily numbers are. That's the one thing that's not contained in the roadmap uh, yesterday. Katrina on Twitter to at C103 Cork says, has Neffet and the government considered the UK concept of support bubbles for single people and people living alone? If we go, for example, to level three in Ireland, that would make a massive difference to mental health. I'm speaking, uh, says Katrina, as a single parent of a toddler here. And if she's forced to go back into lockdown again, it can be a very lonely, isolating place if you are restricted to your home and you are a single parent of a toddler or you're a single person living on your own. Um, I haven't seen that UK concept of support bubbles, but I can imagine what it is. It's to offer support to people who are living on their own, particularly when we go to the, if we get to that stage where we're back with the dreaded cocooning or people being forced to stay at home. So no, uh, Katrina, I haven't seen the government mention anything of support bubbles for single people. Uh, Dan on Twitter says, yesterday the government spent 25 minutes telling us where we've come from. Sure, we all know where we've come from during COVID-19. The public needed guidance on where we're going to. Yesterday, Dan feels that it, was a, that it was a farce. He said it was a disgrace. The message needs to be clear and needs to be unambiguous. They failed on that account yesterday. It was up to the media to analyse and then make it clear for the public. And that should not be the case, says uh, Dan. John says you couldn't make up what happened yesterday in the doll. People won't stick to these restrictions. You could easily put a couple of thousand in most of our stadiums, never mind a couple of hundred. We have the craziest government of all time. The boys are completely out of their depth. Dublin should be at level three. Even the World Health Organisation want Dublin to have more restrictions. Uh, not impressed with Hall Martin. Tom says the government are out of their heads. Opening the pubs next Monday will be just as bad as Dublin. Mark my words, says Tom, when the wet pubs um, open. And also coming into us, all you said, special needs, people with intellectual disabilities didn't get a mention anywhere yesterday. Are they once again forgotten about? For example, is respite starting back again? No, absolutely no mention of special needs, no mention of uh, respite. And I, I don't know, I, I'd love to have an answer for you, Anya, on when, when I think respite is going to come back. I can't see it coming back for the foreseeable future. And actually talking of uh, special needs, I'm going to be off for the next two days because Marcia, who's been out of her, my daughter, who's been out of her day, her day services for over six months now. She's been without a service. She's been at home uh, with us. She finally gets to go back tomorrow to very different uh, service. She's actually moving uh, completely. She's staying within St. Joseph's Foundation, but her day service is going to be offered here in Mallow, which takes the journey of travelling to and from Charleville, which certainly is good, but it's a much more limited service. The, 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 the length of the day is much uh, shorter. 
and she'll be two days a week in the Gilbert Centre so I'm taking the next two days off because I'm, I know she's anxious I'm doing my best to try to tell her that she's going back to day services uh, she's anxious about it I know she is and when she's non-verbal it's very very difficult and obviously as the as, as Mammy I'm desperately worried about her as well and very anxious about her so I'm taking the next two days off just to be there at the end of a phone call in case I need to go and, and pick her up and just to reassure her that everything is okay and I know that that's happening for many many parents uh, of uh, children and adults with uh, special needs as day services start to reopen but nothing like nothing like the service we had before the pandemic and before the lockdown and when we got that call to say that the services were going to close we were told we were all led to believe at the time it would be closing for two weeks none of us including the service providers could have predicted that we'd be closed for six months before we get back into any kind of a service and as I say it's going to be a very limited service for how long I don't know my gut instinct tells me we'll have this limited service until there's at least there's a vaccine and how long are we going to wait for a vaccine so on you know certainly there was no mention of special needs uh, yesterday and respite services uh, if anyone, uh, I'd be really interested when people start. To, if anybody gets any respite, would you let us know, uh, please, and where you're getting it from? 1850-333-103. So if you're into lighting candles and saying prayers, will you think of Marsha over the next two days, uh, please? Uh, Joseph was on to say, I think the media are overreacting of what happened in the Dáil yesterday. Joseph said, I think the government are doing a great job uh, considering we can't all get it right. If Stephen Donnelly wasn't there because he was sick, people would be giving out a about that too. They're human beings at the end of the day. Everyone needs to be nicer. That's from Joseph. Mary says, how come fathers, no mention of fathers yesterday going into maternity hospitals, disappointed that that wasn't mentioned yesterday either. And I think, I know we covered this last week on the programme with that um, that um, petition that's doing the rounds online and it seems weirdly enough some of the Dublin hospitals where we it's what appears to be a hotbed of COVID-19 they have eased some of the restrictions on dads going into the maternity hospitals but certainly here in Cork where we only have the one maternity hospital they are really really strict dads are not allowed our partners are not allowed into any of the prenatal scans and then when mum goes into labour dad is only allowed into the labour ward when they're in active labour and I think do they get an hour after baby is born and then they have to leave the hospital and they're not allowed back into the hospital until they arrive at the front door to collect mum and a baby which is fine when everything's going okay but we know of course there are cases where everything doesn't go okay when it comes to a delivery or a safe delivery so that has caused a lot of problems uh, for people but no there was no mention of it at all yesterday. 1850 Paul and Sadie taking your calls 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. General operatives are wanted for immediate start that's in a workshop in Mallow, while an experienced cleaner is wanted for general house cleaning three hours every second week, and that's in the Fomoy area. Kinsale Hotel and Spa are recruiting staff for all departments, including reception, accommodation, spa, kitchen, and waiting staff. And experienced childbinder wanted to work in the Kilbrin Canturk area. Now it's a six-month-old baby and one school-going child. It's three days a week and the job will start in early October. Your own transport is essential because there is a school uh, collection. You'll find all the details and a lot more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is 
C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, with uh, Cork County Council engineers estimating that more than €5 million euro worth of damage was done to roads during the recent heavy flooding, flooding councillors now want more resources to put into clearing drains and culverts. Fine Gael Councillor Karen Coakley is calling for more staff to be designated to ensure that drains and culverts are cleaned and maintained. And Councillor Karen Coakley joins me. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, and, How and are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. You're looking for the man with the shovel to come back. I mean, isn't that basically it? That's basically it, Patricia. It's going back to common sense. In fact, uh, after the desperate flooding in Ross Carberry, I was over there and the local people there were telling me that long ago, um, council staff actually went round on a horse and cart. They cleaned up the gullies. It, it basically installed confidence in people. And I think this would give more confidence um, considering the rain we've been having. People need to be confident that the drains and the culverts are continually being cleaned. We need full time maintenance on them. And whenever there's flooding, Karen, you will always get local people who will be actually able to point out the gullies and the drains and they'll actually be able to tell you, won't they, the ones that Absolutely. need cleaning out? I mean, it's inevitable that during bad weather that leaves and debris, they're going to block the drains and culverts and this is what's happening. They're being blocked. So when we do have unprecedented rainfall, the water simply can't go anywhere. It can't free slowly. Whereas if they were continually cleaned, it w- I think it would eradicate major problems. It would be more cost effective as well. And of course, you guys in West Cork really had the worst of the flooding, didn't you, back in August? It was absolutely horrendous. I mean, so many different communities, as you well know, Skibreen, Bantry, Bandon, Weedrett, Barry, Ross Carberry, Dunmanway. I mean, it's devastating. And it's not just about the financial impact for people. It's psychological. I mean, people have a fear now that when there's heavy rain, last thing they do at night, they'll put their furniture up high so things oh. aren't going to be damaged. It's a constant fear. It's a, it's a nightmare for people. Actually, I was, I spent, uh, you may be aware, I spent a week of my staycation in beautiful uh, West Cork and that was in the uh, the end of August and after the flooding had occurred and it was the one thing that stood out to me as I was driving around, you could see sandbags. And well, and it was we had lovely weather, but you could see sandbags that we'd left behind after the flooding, or that they were leaving there in case flooding occurred. And it just struck me, what a way in twenty twenty to be living that you have to make sure the sandbags are ready in case a flood occurs. Absolutely, as you said, it's a constant fear for people. Any heavy rain, you know, people are have told me they actually wake up during the night if the rain is heavy, they'll go downstairs and they'll check and see if there is flood water. I mean, in this day and age, it's so sad for people, their businesses, their homes. People want to feel safe in their home. And I think as a county council, if we can do anything to ensure confidence and just to alleviate that fear for people. And that's why I think if there was somebody going around continually cleaning, I mean, as councillors, we get calls every day about drains and culverts is probably the number one topic. If they were free, um, as I said, the water would flow better and it would be cost effective as well. Is it, is it lack of manpower by the council that has Unfortunately, led? Unfortunately, it is, yeah. Patricia, absolutely. And it's not just um, as regards um, this particular issue of the drains and culverts. I mean, it's recycling centres. It's everywhere. There's a major shortage of manpower. Now, just to say I'm not blaming anyone here. You know, blame isn't going to achieve anything. We need solutions and we need more people on the ground. We need more manpower and it has to be physical manpower. Engineers are doing all they can, but I think we have to go back to the old ways. Sometimes the old ways can be better. Keep it simple, continually cleaning and let the water flow. It would make a massive difference. And as you say, it's cost effective. I mean, it will save money in the long run. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. And 
again, it's just to, I suppose, just to give people confidence. I mean, people are in constant fear. And at least if they look out and see that their drains and culverts are clean, at least they know that, you know, it's not going to flood. Now, I mean, there is no doubt that we have to accept that the com- we had a combination of things during the recent flooding. It was unprecedented rainfall, and of course that also attributed to the devastation. But I do feel if these simple measures were in place, it would just make a massive, massive difference. It is common sense. That's what it is. Yeah, I know that argument was put forward that particularly the August uh, flooding, uh, it was more than a one in 100. I think I saw it somewhere that it was a one in a, in a 200 year event and that no amount of drain maintenance could have prevented it. But it could, have, it could have stopped I mean, some of it. Just to say as well, flood relief um, is working. I mean, we have a fantastic scheme in Skibreen and Bandon and there is no doubt only for that there would have been a lot more damage done. So it is working brilliantly. But it's just a combination of things. We need to get everything working together and we need to be more prepared for it as well. John in Clonakilty said it's well known that management in Cork County Council don't want to take on extra men to clean drains. Now, I, I don't know that I know that, John. I'm assuming, Karen, is it, it's, it's, it's a budget. We need better budgets for outdoor staff. I mean, is, is that where the problem lies? Absolutely. I mean, in the report that we received from... On Monday, after my motion went forward, um, you know, they said there was a grant in 2018 that two and a half uh, million euro was received in 2020 for works. And included in that works, they said that um, water tables were cleared, drainage inlets were opened, road storm drainage was upgraded and replaced as it was required. Uh, there was other jobs done as well, but we still need more. And I personally feel that it's not going to cost a lot. If there was somebody in each town that had the responsibility of doing this, like the olden days. Yeah, I, and actually I can see when we mentioned earlier that you were going to be coming on talking about this, the amount of people that have contacted us to, to say, Karen Coakley is so right, bring back the man with the shovel, as they say. Anytime we have a flood event, I mean, we've even over the years, somebody who can name the person who used to work in their area uh, and that he was great and that he was out morning, noon and night. They, in many cases, some of those older council workers, uh, once they knew, if it was on a Saturday or a Sunday, if a newer drain had been blocked, it was something that was only going to take them a few minutes and they'd get out there with their shovel and they'd clear it out and they'd get rid of it and, and everything would be okay and as you say it just gives peace of mind to local peace people. Of mind, exactly. I mean there is no doubt that no maintenance regime or manpower would have actually prevented what happened in West Cork during August but as you said there it's a peace of mind and if somebody was cleaning it if there was any problems you know they were able to alert people and just to say I got massive full support in, in County Hall on Monday every councillor was in complete agreement with this we had a long debate we talked about meeting ministers meeting ministers is great but we need to go back to the very simple solution we need to start getting out clean our drains in our local towns in our areas and that would just alleviate an awful lot of this well it was shocking to hear that it's going to be more it's going to take more than 5 million euro to repair the roads just from the recent uh, flooding. I mean, do you think how far that five million could have gone to? How many drains would that have cleaned out? Is that money? Is that money there? Has the road repair started? Um, some repairs have started. The exceptionally bad roads. I mean, Rory Bridge, Glandor, it's in an absolutely horrendous state. There's no doubt about it. But um, I think when it comes to budget time, we're just going to have to set money aside to have this done. And even though when council meetings were continually discussing budgets and finance, I can't see that having extra outdoor staff, it's not going to make a massive difference in the overall budget because this is money that's well spent and it's going to save money rather than 
having flooding and then having to go out and clear the drains, it's just cost effective. It's a win-win situation if we can do it now before, the, before any flooding happens. Meg says many diggers and a few men on a regular basis will do wonders Uh, and that's exactly what you're saying it's not going to be a huge expense Absolutely or if they don't want to get manpower get the women out get the job done it needs to be done and it needs to be done now Okay, as I say, a lot of people are, are really agreeing with you, you on it. And you have to have sympathy as well, Karen, for the business community. I mean, businesses who were just trying to get back on their feet and it was in August, it was in the tourist uh, season. Businesses have been affected by it as well. It's horrendous. And I mean, they're so resilient that they have come back and they're trying to come back and fighting. And I think it's up to all of us. Shop local. You know, we keep saying it. Shop local. If your money is spent local, it goes to local businesses, local clubs. It has a ripple effect. So start spending money local. Support businesses. You know, we're going to be talking about Christmas soon. Spend it locally and yeah. help those businesses. Keep it in the community. You know, and I know all of the biggest supermarkets and people have to go to all of the, the big multinationals and, and all of that. And then we'll, all, we'll all do that. But we all need to do our bit. The small independent stores in particular, Karen. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're the bread and butter of the local economy. And it was so fantastic that you holidayed in West Cork. And as you've said, it, it was a wonderful experience. You know, come to West Cork, enjoy all the wonderful towns and villages that we have and spend the money locally. We have fantastic craft shops. We have all sorts of artisan produce and get out and start spending and spread the word. You know, if we all are wise and shop, use our euro well we'll get value for money and we'll keep it in our communities and that's what it's about. It's standing strong together as a community and supporting all of these businesses. Yeah, and we will get through this and we'll get through it together. We will indeed. And we'll hopefully come out of it better people at the other end. Uh, listen, Karen, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank and, you so uh, thanks, much for your time and thanks, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks, thanks for joining for us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Karen Coakley uh, joining us from West Cork. Bring back the man with the shovel. 1850 as I say, whenever, whenever we talk about flooding, we'll, we'll always inevitably get somebody in talking about the man with the shovel. Uh, by the way, I've just spotted a text in from someone to say there's an AIB text scam. This is Marion Dunmanway. She got a, a text warning. Uh, she just wants to warn people. It's a new type of scam. Uh, she, you know, she claims to come from AIB. The text scam said, the text said, congratulations, you have enrolled for voice ID. If you have a smartphone, click on this link. If you don't have a smartphone, call the number on your call the number on your bank card. I reported this to the bank and they've agreed it's a scam and unaware of it but to warn others that's a really strange one. Telling you to call the number that's on the bank card because the number that's on your bank card if there's a telephone number on your bank card that's a genuine number for the bank. That's a really bizarre one. I'm assuming though what they are hoping for there Mary is that the majority of people will have a smartphone and when they see you have the option to call the bank you say sure I'll just click on the link instead. I'm assuming that that's what they're what they're hoping for on that particular one. But just on scams, I got um, and and I, we're always calling out scams on this program. And I've very I've every I've haven't received many of them. I have to say, I've had a few of those calls from the Ivory Coast. You know the ones that you don't answer. Uh, what well, they don't want you to answer, they want you to call them back, and then you end up on a premium rate. I've had a few of those at one stage, but then they kind of disappeared. I think they've kind of gone because people have cottoned onto them. But I haven't I hadn't got any of the text scams until lo and behold, the other day on Sunday. At, uh, it says it came in it's 14 minutes past five I got a text message saying your AIB visa card has been used for an online transaction at 16.59 so just 15 minutes previously and not you then go to and it's it was the 
AIB slash review slash payment dot com as soon as possible to review the charge. Now, I don't bank with AIB, so I knew straight away that it wasn't me. But it was very, uh, it, it, it did look like a genuine it did look like a genuine uh, text. So you have to be so, so careful because we know that some banks do send out text text messages sending you on some kind of information or, or whatever. Uh, but they will never look for you to impart any information. So you've just got to be careful when you click on any links. Because I remember my card, a Visa card got compromised a number of years ago. And I woke up on a Saturday morning to a text message from my bank saying that my card had been used, blah, 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 blah. And would I contact? And it was their fraud department there. And it was a telephone number. Now, what I did was I didn't ring that number straight away. I checked straight away with the bank that I rank with to find out what their fraud number what their fraud telephone number was what the real fraud telephone number was it happened to match identically to the one that was on the text message and then I contacted them and we got it sorted and I had all that problem of having the card having to be cancelled and I eventually got the money back but there was a, there was a delay on it it wasn't a huge sum of money uh, thank God but you just even when you get a genuine text from your bank you have to be so careful but please any one of those suspicious ones do not click on any of those links 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your call Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862 And thanks to Jared in Whitechurch. Uh, your WhatsApp made me smile when we were talking about the man with the shovel when I was speaking with Councillor Karen Coakley and bring back the man with the shovel for the council. And I was saying that, you know, everybody in from many years ago would have known the man in their area who was the man from the council and the man with the shovel. And they would have known him by name and they they would have, you know, been able to almost call to his house and say, you know, do you know that such a drain is blocked and sure off he'd go with his shovel and he'd sort it out. Uh, Jared said, Danny Boy. Uh, now, I don't know who, what the surname is, but Danny Boy used to clean all the drains by shovel on the Burnford, Bottle Hill, White Church in Carignavar area. He did it by shovel when I was a young fella. And do you know what Jared said? We never had any problems when Danny Boy was there. He was the man with the shovel in that area. Thank you for that, uh, Jared. And as I say, a lot of people will identify with that and will all have their own Danny Boy, who they remember from their area. Thank you, Jared. 1850-333-103. Now, September is World Alzheimer's Month and the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland are asking people to let's all walk together for dementia on Sunday next, September 20th, by taking part in a memory walk. To find out more, I'm joined by well-known dementia advocate who lives with Louis Body Dementia, and that's Kevin Quaid from Canturk. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, well, I'm very well. It's always a pleasure to, to speak to you. We are all aware of social distancing and how we all need to, ke- to, to keep apart. How are you asking people to do these memory walks next Sunday? Yeah, that is, that is I suppose, the, the most important thing. Um, like Sinead O'Reilly here in Kentucky, she's organised a walk in Donrell Park at 11 o'clock. And what we're doing is there's a group of us meeting up and we're going to go for a short walk. I can't walk very far, but we're going to go for a short walk. We're going to stay socially distanced. We're going to use our masks. And we're going to do the right thing. Yeah. And, like, you have the likes of the Fahey family, Marion Fahey there in Bradford, who used to do the Camino every year. Her entire family, imagine her walking from Bradford to, Kilf- to Kilfenora in the Burn. Wow. Over five days. <sighs> You have the likes of Wiener Plastics down from Colourher, their sports and social club. They are climbing Nakfirna, which is a hill below in Naramon, 
a small mountain, we call it. We better not say here in Ballangarry uh, to raise money. And they're all doing the thing, socially distanced, doing everything, like everything has to be done right. And like companies like Wiener Plastics, whatever the sports social club we gather, their company are going to match. That's terrific. So, so, so individual families can get together. It's good for your, it's good for your, your heart and your mind to get out for a walk. So, just as a small group, either your own little family group or a work bubble, just go out and have a little bit of a walk. And you're doing it for the Alzheimer's Society of uh, Ireland. And you want people to register the walk. That's how the fundraising aspect of it will come into it. Like you can walk around your own backyard. Okay. You know. You don't have to go for a long walk. You can go out with your family, do three laps of the house. The thing is that you um, register at it's www.memorywalk.ie. Um, it's 18 euros for an adult and it's five euros for kids. And you get a T-shirt. Now, the thing about it is you have until three o'clock today to get in your registration to have the T-shirt by Sunday. Oh, that's good. But if it's a thing you're late registering, you'll still get the T-shirt. So, I mean, you can take the photograph on Monday and let on you walk on Sunday. Okay, so this is the (laughs) the idea is is to get the T-shirt, put the T-shirt on and get a photograph. And where do you send the photographs to, um, Kevin? Anyone doing the the walk? You can send them to me. You can send them to the Alzheimer's Society. Um, Mine is kevinquaid9 at gmail.com. You can send them into the Velstar or the Malastar into Mike Began. Um, tormenting with photographs and we'll get as many up on social media as we can because look, the COVID-19 has, as you know, just devastated everything and we're down at least a million euros this year already. On fundraising. On fundraising. And I mean the COVID-19 and I'm not belittling it or I'm not taken from it. It has what affected 31,500 people in Ireland and there's over 1,700 dead. We've over 64,000 people in Ireland with dementia and we're losing that many every year. Wow. So we're dealing with a pandemic every year. And that's and why months like this and days like this, oh my God, it gets people what? talking as well about dementia. Yes. Which, which is, and how, how I know we spoke with you back in the very, very early stages, Kevin. Um, how has lockdown and COVID-19 and all of that, how is it affecting you yourself? Um. When we came back from Australia, I suppose initially we had the first two weeks of quarantine, which I was okay. But week three, when I got out of the quarantine and realised wedding and everything had been cancelled, I thought I thought that I'd crack up. And it took me a day or two, but you know, I got back into my writing. Um, I got back in. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. With the ESI, they were absolutely brilliant. I mean, so they made the phone calls, they rang me, they checked up on me. And I kind of got out of my head and got back to doing what I love to do. Mm. And I, I can only imagine the poor people that are living on their own, you know. Yeah, whereas you have a fantastic woman living with you. You're, I do. Your gorgeous do, wife, Helena. So, but there are people who are going through this on their own, which is, which is yeah, really right, difficult. You, you got back into the writing. How is the new book going? The new book, the new book I'm hopeful that the new book would be out probably the end of October. Now, I, I will have another big announcement in, but I can't say anything okay. more about it at okay. the moment. But you'll be, one, you'll be one of the first to know. And the new book is what? The new book is, basically, it's a positive book. It's a book on how to live with a diagnosis of a disease that's progressive and incurable, and that if it's caught in time, that you can still live a productive life, you can still live a pretty decent life. And basically, it's not to blow, but it's just to talk about what I have achieved, the wonderful people I've met, the wonderful friends I've met. And you have you achieved, know. you have achieved so much. And remind listeners, Kevin, you have a you have a double diagnosis. It's not just Louis body that you live with. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's first and then with Louis body dementia. Um, I have Paget's disease as well. And I suppose the REM sleep behaviour disorder would be the would be the biggest problem that I have. And Explain uh, explain that to us. Explain what that is. I have to have this, that sleep apnea machine on every night. Okay. To get oxygen, get oxygen into me to, to, to keep breathing, basically. And does that help? Unbelievable. Is it? Yeah. Unbe- yeah. Unbelievable. And the funny thing about the sleep apnea machine is I had a consultation with the doctor the other day and 
she talked about the amount of people that were afraid to use it because they were afraid they'd get COVID. And it's the complete opposite. You're getting air into your system at night, which is which is which only beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unreal the way people pick up on something or they probably read something online and then that's it and I won't yeah, use yeah, yeah, and yeah. I won't use it anymore. Um, and the Parkinson, how how are you getting on with the Parkinson's disease? Is that very progressive at this stage? No, Kevin? it's not actually. No, great. It's not actually. No, um, the medication I'm on for that seems to be working very brilliant, well. And brilliant. Look, the trick for me is staying active, as keeping my brain active. Right, I'm not very mobile. I can't drive, but I can write. I can think, I can talk, I write for the Mallow Star, the Dale Star there most weeks. As I say, I'm trying to finish up my new book. Um, and I have a, a lot of projects on, and I have fabulous friends, you know, and it, the advocacy work keeps me going, and the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, I just want to give you that free phone number as well. It's one eight hundred three four one three four one. I'm in touch with them every single week. Like tomorrow now, we launch the Irish Cafe Dementia Network. You know, we have our pre-budget submission next week and where we're going, begging for money again to try and keep the their centres open to try and help those that need it the most. Have they, they all obviously had to close everything, because of everything. COVID. Have they started to reopen, do you know, Kevin? We've been given a roadmap and look, it's no different schools or anything else. Each place has to be assessed on to how people get there, how many it can take, the social distancing and with the COVID things change from day to day. So like what DSI have done, like they've extended their helpline. There's a lot of online group support for families, activ- activity packs. They're e- even just sending out a, a postcards to and they're on the phone constantly to people. Yeah, they're great. They really you know? are great. And the thing about it is like, please, 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 like, don't be afraid or, or stigmatised by, by dementia. Pick up the phone and ring them. It's totally confident and, you know, it's great to talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and that's but that's where you are such an amazing advocate because you're living with us. You, you know, you're you're the living proof that you can live a reasonably normal life as you normal can, as, yeah. as, as and you can still enjoy life because that's oh you can yeah you can yeah I I can. I can't wait for the stall next week. I'll the pub stop and have a pint. <laughs> Go easy on those pints now. Um, <laughs> please tell Kevin, says the texter, his column in the Malu Star was sadly missed. Well, I to- I had to take a break during the summer because I, I was I was on my book, but I was back last week. That's I it. wrote a piece about about my cousin um, Mike Maloney, who spent a hundred and forty three days uh, in hospital with the COVID. <sighs> People are giving out about wearing masks for the ten or fifteen or twenty minutes that you're in a shop. Well, I can tell you that Mike spent nine hundred hours on a ventilator. And he didn't have a choice. Yeah, so somebody... stop whining, stop complaining, and just do what you're asked for well, the love well, of God. Well said. As a nurse said, if you don't like wearing masks, and you're certainly not going to like a ventilator, no. so put on there. And no. how is Mike? How is your cousin? Mike, I was talking to him. I was talking to him last week, and he was out and about with a walk. He was after going back to the rehab centre. They were thrilled to bits that um, he was making such great recovery but I was just talking to John Paul there a while ago and 
what Mike couldn't get over was on the Thursday night they actually thought the show was over for him and there was another woman there who was making a miraculous recovery um, Mike was taken to a hospital in Dublin on the Sunday and she didn't make it so just in case anyone thinks that it's not real or it's a hoax it so is. you shouldn't wear the mask it is no. alright listen and, it's, uh, and do the right thing on Sunday absolutely uh, and www.memorywalk.ie if you want to find out more and that's where you go to register listen the best of luck to you Kevin we will speak again you look after yourself and, and love to Helena and you, and you too and I'll, t- I'll talk to you later God bless bye 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 the wonderful Kevin Quaid this is Court Today Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Somebody said, least we forget, 30 years ago today, and they've sent on a picture from their garden. It seems to be, I'm assuming this is their front of their back garden, I'm not too sure. And the cork flag is uh, flying for the day that is in it. And it is 30 years ago today, of course, that uh, Cork uh, Cork County won the uh, double. And there is a very, just to remind you, there's a very special event going on today where people have been asked to go red for Cork and to raise vital funds for Marymount Hospice. We spoke about it on the programme because it is the brainchild of current Cork. GAA hurler uh, Conor Cahalan of course whose uh, father Niall was on the winning 1990 uh, football team and there's a big push asking people to go red today and to donate to the campaign for Marymount Hospice obviously Marymount Hospice we were talking with Kevin Quaid about how the Alzheimer's Society their fundraising has been decimated every single charity have just had their fundraising wiped out including Marymount Hospice so uh, they're encouraging people to please donate today but at the same time to remember that the great day that it was this day 30 years ago and it's hard to believe where have those 30 years gone so thank you there's no name on that WhatsApp but thank you to whoever uh, sent that in glad to give it a mention and to remember the great hurlers and footballers of 30 years ago Okay, number of texts and calls coming in about the man with the shovel and cleaning out of the drains and all of that Pat said I used to work on the drains and a lot of farmers would close the drains by night why? because they didn't want water in their fields whoa isn't that absolutely uh, shocking to uh, hear Uh, and uh, Chris says I think if the people who were on the dole were put out cleaning the drains it would be a lot better save the council a lot of money I wonder how many people who are unemployed at the moment rather than getting your money just getting your unemployment payment would you prefer to do something for the unemployment payment and would you be with Chris would you be willing to take a shovel and go out and clean the drains in your area now there's also some other texts in on this a lot of people remembering the man with the shovel in their uh, area someone says hi Patricia absolutely agree bring back the man with the shovel uh, some of the council workers on the trucks are just filling potholes after one shower of rain all the potholes empty out again roads and Bantry and the housing estates in the area are in a shocking state bring back the man with the shovel and Padre says the council man with the shovel question mark question mark question mark well the water must have a place to actually go to rivers and streams are choked up due to protecting the pearl water mussels etc today's council worker 
is certainly not interested in using a shovel. The Cork Road cost millions recently and the town's road surface is a disgrace. Uh, Pat are talking about the town of Mallow. The people seem to have no pr- pride compared to places like Listowel or Castle Island. Uh, the main street of Formoy is full of derelict buildings and dirty house fronts even on the main street. The council workers should be sent out to wash and paint to the derelict buildings. I was in Listowel yesterday and as a credit due to everyone, their main street is totally pristine, says uh, Padder. 1850-333-103. Hi, Donnybrook Hill destroyed from the recent floods, says Tony in Douglas. It looks like the drains are blocked and forced the road, road up in places almost in a ripple effect. Quite dangerous now, especially for cyclists. That's from Tony and Douglas. Thank you for that, uh, Tony. And thank you, by the way, to when I mentioned that I'm off the next two days because Marcia is starting back to her day placement. And obviously there's levels of anxiety that she's going to settle back in because it's it's a new centre for her and all of that. So there's a bit of anxiety for both mother and child going on, I can tell you. Uh, and thank you to people who have been very kind in their thoughts of wanting to wish Marcia all the best and uh, saying, please God, she'll get on fine and please God, uh, she will. But one uh, listener, knowing what I'm going through, uh, says, my son has learning difficulties. He's also getting his services from St. Joseph's in Charleville. And when this COVID came in, everything stopped. He lashes out at me and at times I really do fear for my life like many more parents it's a very difficult time dealing with this and with no help I'll be thinking of Marcia tomorrow with the help of God everything will work out fine and can I wish the same back for you and I hope that things start to settle down for you and your son as well I mean it's the one thing with all of those day services closed for six months how many of our gorgeous gorgeous children have regressed and with the regression comes some very very challenging behaviour and they lash out at those that are closest uh, and those that are caring for them so it's a, it's, it's a tough tough road uh, you're on uh, I'm thinking of you too. 1850-333-103. Patricia, pubs opening. Will customers have to wear masks on entering the bar? And will there be notice on the front door to let customers know all of the rules for when the pubs uh, open? From what I can gather, the same rules that are in place for the gastropubs, the, the pubs that are already open, the pubs that are serving food, it's much the same rules and regulations that are in place there uh, for example you've got to go into the bar they'll have to take a name and a telephone number from you for contact tracing you'll have to sit down you'll get table service you won't be allowed to stand at the bar when you want another drink you're going to have to wait for a waiter or a waitress to come to your table you you know you won't be able to go up to the bar and just have another pint will you have to wear a mask on entering the bar many restaurants now are bringing that in that when you're walking around a restaurant or a gastro bar you are expected to wear face masks will it be the same in pubs I don't know I don't know for sure uh, I'm assuming it'll, it's, it's, it's under the rules what we are going to uh, do on Monday before the bars officially open I suppose it's what is it half 10, 11 o'clock uh, they, they open we will have the vintners uh, joining us because there's a number of people have questions about the bars open and what is it going to look like it'll certainly be a very new experience for a lot of people come uh, Monday that's uh, for sure OK other texts coming in Hi Patricia the measures are are 
daft. They're showing no urgency in a very, these are the new measures that came in, came in yesterday, in a very serious situation. People should not be encouraged to entertain house guests in Dublin at this time. Any sensible dub will not do it. And the gastropubs there in Dublin should be closed too for now. Bring back Leo Varadkar. At least he has ability to communicate logically and offer some hope about vaccine etc. It seems to be all doom and gloom with more on a power and a glory mission rather than bringing any real help to people. Personally I rely on my own common sense to avoid COVID, COVID. streets ahead of government's risky suggestions but I'm sure most of you listeners feel the very same way and actually I can see there's a number of odd their uh, texts in not very happy with Micheál Martin and Micheál Martin's handling of it and Stephen Donnelly's handling of it and some people say bring back Leo and Simon Harris and restore confidence in how the government should work. Their performance in government at the start of the pandemic was excellent. We need more of that right now. That's from Noel. Uh, Tony says, why are they complaining? What are they complaining about in Dublin? What did they expect was going to happen? We all did what we were asked to do. They appear to have no respect for family, for neighbours or for the rest of the country. They think they are above everybody else in Dublin. What arrogance. And now they're complaining because restrictions are put in place. (laughs) This is Tony saying, the quick people of Dublin, if they take their heads out of their butts and realise they brought it all on themselves. They've had loads and loads of warnings and they still continue to seem to, to be getting warnings even though it is looking like, I would say, probably from tomorrow we're going to see the Dublin people, Dublin City and County, move from level two to level three which will bring even further restrictions to them. And Christy on masks. Says Patricia... There's been a lot of mixed messaging around the wearing of face masks from the start, even from the World Health Organization. Originally, they claimed that healthy people should not wear masks and that only healthcare workers and those dealing with COVID patients should be the only ones wearing them. Our government had ruled out this, their general use, and that was originally. We even saw pictures of Leo Varadkar when he was then Taoiseach mixing with a few of his friends in a crowded Coke Park on a sunny day, and none of them were wearing masks, and he himself a doctor. The authorities created the confusion around face masks. A lot of people don't appear to be even observing the proper way we're told to wear face masks. Personally, I use a mask in enclosed settings out of courtesy to others, but not in open spaces. I prefer to keep my distance. Kind regards to some Christy. Thank you for that. Uh, Christy and Tim and Mallow, when I mentioned the Aldi store and how if I'm in there at lunchtime I see a lot of the secondary school students from the local uh, school and they're all very compliant and the majority of them are all wearing masks Uh, Tim says I shop in the the same store but what worries me is that the other day at lunchtime I saw a group of students secondary school students there was at least 40 of them all congregated outside the entrance to another business no masks and probably all coming from different bubbles within their school can't blame the teenagers for being teenagers but it was obvious to me that if there was just one case of covid 19, it would spiral quickly amongst that whole group and it's one of the things that schools are doing really well in you know the hand washing and the social distancing in school and the wearing of masks in secondary schools but as soon as the young people leave schools Tim is right teenagers do what teenagers do and they all hang out together social distancing goes out the door and the masks uh, come off so yeah uh, you're right on that and Maura says Patricia what about the list all races are we going to have another Cheltenham on our hands no I mean the races are going ahead but they're all behind closed doors I mean there's been racing has been going on for now for quite some time but there's no spectators there 
there. So no, we're not going to have another uh, Cheltenham. And John Amalo says, I'm not political, but I feel Micheál Martin is getting a kicking from all angles at the moment. He's not getting any break at all. I think it's totally wrong. And I'm even surprised that he's been criticised within his own Fianna Fáil party. I don't know what has happened, but I think the state is ungovernable at the moment as people just don't want to listen anymore. We're not feared. We're not safe or fit to govern ourselves at the moment. And that's from John in Mallow. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Middleton's Culture Night will go live on their Facebook page at four o'clock next Friday. This year's theme is Art in Your Home and you can submit photos of art pieces or make a slideshow of pieces and send them to info at middletonartsfestival.com and you need to get them in though by 10 o'clock tonight. Kildallery Community Development have got their weekly lotto draw that's on this afternoon at four. Kildallery Community Office in this week's jackpot two and a half thousand euro. And Donnerail Arts Festival and Culture Night, that's taking place also on Friday, 3 to 6 in the afternoon. You can get your caricature done by James O'Donovan at the Great Artitude Gallery. You can book online at artfortheheartdonnerail at uh, gmail.com. They have a number of other events taking place as well as part of the Donnerail Arts uh, Festival. And on Sunday next, September the 20th, as we mentioned earlier, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland are asking you to make every step count and register for their first Alzheimer memory walk. You can register for Let's Walk Together for Dementia at www.memorywalk.ie and start planning your route. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, earlier in the programme, I spoke with uh, Fina Gale, uh, West Cork County Councillor Karen Coakley who was calling on the local authority to employ and designate staff specifically to ensure the drains and culverts are cleaned and maintained on a regular basis. She was calling for bring back the man with the shovel and I can see loads of you are agreeing saying that's what we need and back in the day when the man with the shovel worked in a, in a local area we had nothing like the flooding that we are having today. Uh, Fianna Fáil West Cork Councillor Deirdre Kelly has contacted the programme and she joins me. Good afternoon to you Deirdre. Good afternoon. You are 100% uh, in agreement with Karen Coakley we need to bring back the man with the shovel I am um, Patricia and um, as Karen may have told you she put forward a motion at Cork County Council on Monday which was greatly supported by most members in in the chamber Um, yes it is it is vital that um, that staffing levels are looked at at this point I mean the recent um, flooding is evidence of that and I know and we all know that it may not have prevented um, the flooding but it would have alleviated it or lessened the amount of damage for sure and when but there, it's over a number of years, isn't it? It's been the case that mm-hmm. we are seeing less and less outdoor staff within the council. Well, look, oh, in, in our own area here, in, in the Skibreen electoral area, Balnina and Inneskeen have been without a general operative for over two years. And I know in my own town here in Dunmanway, one person retired in September 2017 and that person has not been um, replaced either. He was a general operative also. And I think that's reflected across the county when somebody retires, mm-hmm. they're just not being re- replaced. So, yeah. And does that purely go back to funding? The council don't have the funds to employ more people. 
Well, look, I'm not sure if it goes back to funding, but obviously funding has to be reallocated. Um, look, the, the bottom line is that this, this um, flooding has cost a huge amount of money and it will cost a huge amount of money. If these culverts and drains had been maintained in the first instance, um, it would have lessened the amount of damage, less, uh, hence saving money, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22 situation. But look, if, if, quite simply, if the staff were in place, if the culverts were in, and drains were maintained, to, to a high level, then, you know, we mightn't be facing this situation right now. And, and as, aside from that, Patricia, it's not just on the roads. Um, last week, um, the recycling centre in um, Clonakilty was closed on Wednesday and the recycling centre in Bandon was closed on Thursday and Friday and that was due to, short, uh, to staffing levels also. I mean, that's not sustainable long term and you simply can't rotate staff when, the sta- when there's staff shortages to begin with. And that's what was happening right throughout the summer. There were, I think there wasn't a day went by that we were calling out that some civic community site was forced to close. And mm-hmm. when we started to look into it, we found out it was because they didn't have the staff. Yes. And it just it made no sense. And that really frustrated people who want to go to great efforts to go to the civic community site, but to go there and discover it's, it's closed. We have to yeah. make it and, easy and this, for people. This was clearly evident on Monday at the county ho- in County Hall as well at the meeting um, many many councillors had had um, something to say in relation to it and current current councillor current Coakley's um, um, motion garnered huge huge support from everybody Yeah, because I read Sean O'Reardon, who was reporting on the council meeting, I read his report on the paper and there was almost a sense of frustration, I felt. Was there from from councillors? Well, there was because, look, Patricia, we were there. um, uh, I I was in Dunmanway and I presume the other councillors were in their own areas uh, on the morning of of the flooding, uh, respective mornings uh, in different areas. And I was uh, down in Chapel Street in Dunmanway and there was water flowing in and out of houses, you know, and um, it's, it's just not acceptable, you know, and uh, look, systems can be put in place to alleviate. And look, we all know that there can be flash flooding. And look, we have to be cognizant of the fact that there's ever-changing weather, weather patterns. And we have to move with, move with that and, and, and put systems in place to, 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 um, to, to kind of put that, put, to alleviate the, the flooding that may be and lessen the damage. But look, we were all there. We were heartbroken. Like, what could we do? We were standing there helping them try to clear the water out of their houses. But aside, aside, aside from that, we were helpless. Yeah, and as I mentioned with Karen, every time there is a flooding event, we will have people on saying, I could have told you it was going to happen on that particular road, particularly people who live in rural areas, because we know that the drains and the the culverts are are blocked and the gullies uh, are blocked. So, you know, you can go into any area and say to somebody, point out the drains that need to be cleared and they'll they'll show you straight away. Right across the constituency, or right across West Cork, not not alone just my own area here. I know people in the Bantry area um, who ha- who are facing the same situations, and and I've said this previously that you know we need to t- be be more aware of the people in the specific areas because they know they're in the know, and we need to listen to them. You know, um, and and this has to be uh, um, an, an an effort, um, you know, between both county council uh, and reps like myself and and locals. You know, and um, like I, I suppose. Look, there's there's a way around it, but the bottom line is there is staff shortages, and like particularly in Ballinane and Nineskeen, I I would commend them because the tidy towns uh, in that area are out every single week, a couple of nights a week, doing that job. And we're all volunteers, we're all in community com- committees locally, and we're all willing to put the effort in. But you know, there comes a time where you where it, you know you might be taking advantage of them, you know, and they need support and they need help.
you know, and, it, yeah. and the time has come to pass to to put that help and that assistance in place. Well, let's hope that that, that flooding, particularly the, the very bad floods on the, the nights of August 13th and uh, 15th, that maybe this might be a little bit of a wake up call to the hopefully, council. Hopefully, yeah. yes. I, yes. And look, I have to I have to pay tribute to the, the local engineers. They they were absolutely brilliant. They were on site, um, you know, for day and night, you know, over that over that time. But look, they, they're the engineers. They need staff on hand as well to, to allow them to, to facilitate um, the, the cleaning of these drains and culverts and the staffing of the recycling centres and any other staffing levels there are throughout the constituency. OK, all right. Uh, listen, uh, we leave it there, dear. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. And I can see again, as I say, a lot of people agreeing uh, we need they need more outdoor staff. And if that means reassigning, what funding that's already there and to make sure that they employ more outdoor staff or whether they need to go back to government and say, go back to central government and say, give us more money. We need more outdoor staff. A listener says the man with the shovel would find it hard to work because of all of the health and safety that they're under today. It's a very different work scenario today to what it was many years ago when we had the local man with the shovel or Danny boy. As somebody remembers, I also you'd have council workers up in arms if their work was being done by somebody else. And that was, I assume that was on the suggestion of get, getting, give people on the door the option to go out and work if they wanted to go out and work and the council says somebody else who want to come out and see the county roads we have to free gullies ourselves uh, to get to work with the floods there are many people doing it people who live in very rural areas they do it uh, themselves um, uh, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Somebody says, Patricia, I have a cataract in one eye. Can I drive the car? Uh, I <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not a medical expert and I'm not an ophthalmologist. I would suggest you're obviously waiting on a cataract operation. I would suggest that you have a chat with your GP, and your GP will be able to tell you if it's still safe for you to drive or not while you are waiting on the operation. But I wouldn't be taking any risks. I mean, if you yourself are finding that you're having difficulty with seeing where you're going when you're driving I think you'll know yourself uh, not to drive but I would suggest when you're in with your doctor have uh, a chat there okay and then on Micheál Martin two conflicting reports two conflicting texts coming in on Micheál Martin I'm sorry but Micheál Martin sold his soul to get powers at this texture and now he's critical of the opposition because they're looking for straight answers to simple questions that's somebody else who's not happy with Micheál Martin but then on the other side afternoon Patricia I am tired of listening to people finding fault with Micheál Martin he is not alone in government Leo Varadkar happens to be in the very same government with him. They're in coalition. They're all responsible for the roadmap, etc. that was announced yesterday and they're all doing their best, no doubt. Hall is the man delivering the news. Today is a very special day for Cork people. As we mentioned, we're, we're remembering 30 years ago today in Cork achieving the double. We should all get behind our Cork Taoiseach and together and give the man a chance. These challenging times will pass however long it lasts. Thanking you, kind regards. And that comes in from Maura. Thank you for that, uh, Maura. Uh, 1850 And I want to just bring you one WhatsApp that actually came in to the programme last week when we were discussing maternity services and the issue came up again today and the reason that I didn't get to it last week was we were trying to we, well, we did get in contact with the lady who sent on the message to see if she wanted to join us for uh, a chat if she wanted to talk more but when you when, when you hear 
the message that she sent you, you'll understand it's a very, very sensitive uh, issue. But the issue of dads being allowed into maternity hospitals came up again with somebody giving out about the fact that in the roadmap to recovery yesterday that we heard about living with COVID, there was no mention at all of easing the restrictions that are in place for pregnant mums and for their dads and the partners in that they're not allowed into Cork, the CUMH, for if there's any antenatal scans, pregnant mum has to go on their own. And then when mum goes into labour, the partner slash dad can't join her in the labour ward until she's in active labour. And then has to leave the hospital, I think, with an hour of the baby being born. And there's a lot of pregnant mums not happy with that at all. And uh, there's been some from all over the country. Those restrictions have been placed all over the country, but they seem to be very strict here in Cork in that there was easing in some of the paternity hospitals in Dublin and they are allowing some of the dads in. But there was a lot of criticism, certainly last week when we were talking about it and we shared the petition that has gone up online on behalf of pregnant mums to try to get all of the maternity hospitals to ease some of the restrictions and to let some of the dads in. Well, in the middle of that discussion, I got in the following message from uh, Mairead saying, Hi, just want to let you know my experience at Cork University Maternity Hospital during the restrictions. At my 20-week scan in May, we were given the news that our little baby had trisomy 13. It's uh, one of those rare syndromes and wouldn't survive. From then on, my husband was allowed into all of my appointments and all of my scans. At 32 weeks, I was developing preeclampsia, so I was admitted to hospital till my son, Timothy, was born. My husband was allowed to come and go all week and to be with me for the birth. Unfortunately, our son was born sleeping on the 15th of July 2020. The staff of the hospital couldn't have done enough for us. We were able to baptise our son in the hospital and with the help of Felicon and CUMH, we were able to bring our son home with us till his burial. We donated a Moses basket to the hospital this week to help other families to bring their babies home to grieve. We're also fundraising at the moment for Felicon in memory of our son my goodness and that's for Mairead and uh, Timmy what a, what a heartbreaking uh, text can we offer our deepest deepest sympathy to you on the on the loss of your beautiful beautiful son born uh, sleeping and Felicon are a wonderful organisation we were actually we've, we featured them on the programme many many times and actually we were only we were only in the office this week talking about having them back on the programme I don't know if it's scheduled for this week or for next week because I know there's a big campaign on the way for the, the registering of babies who are born sleeping and to put them onto a public uh, register. So um, very aware of the great work of uh, Felicon. So thank you and thank you for sharing that and well done, can I say, well done to everyone at CUMH. When things go wrong for people, they are very much restrictions are rules and regulations that are in place are being pushed to one side and the human side of the hospital coming out and the compassionate side of the hospital coming coming out. So well done to everyone at Cork University Maternity Hospital for looking after Mairead and her husband Tim and little baby Timmy uh, little baby Timothy for looking after them so well. Uh, 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we don't have Peter Dowdle this uh, a week uh, our apologies there and I know I saw a couple of gardening questions uh, coming in unfortunately Peter not available uh, to us this week Kathleen in the city was on to us to say I'm wearing my cork jersey today with pride and I'm doing it to support Marymount well done to everyone who is supporting Go Red for uh, Marymount well it's Go Red for Cork and it's to raise vital funds 
funds for Marymount Hospice. And today, of course, it's 30 years today uh, that Cork won the double. And I know well-known landmarks in the city and across the county are donning the red and lighting up among them in the city city and county halls the quad at ECC the Parnell uh, Place bus station as well as the West Cork Arts Centre in Skibbereen is going red for Cork and the Middleton Park Hotel and there are many many people going around wearing red jerseys uh, today so well done and thank you Kathleen for that. Now at the start of this week our first interview actually of the week was with Deputy Michael Moynihan who was talking to us about families with adults with an intellectual disability and how many of them are still struggling uh, to get a full service while well, services are starting to reopen since uh, lockdown. Well, Nora joins me to share her story this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Nora. Hello, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Now, your son goes to or was going to St. Joseph's in Charleville and then lockdown came and his service ended. That's right. He, he was going to Charleville for 27 years and he's totally devastated that his service in Charleville is gone because... He's in a hub in Newmarket now, and um, we're not happy with the hub, but um, as well as that, all his friends are in Charleston, and he don't have, you know, the the families that are with him now, he never had, you know, was never friends with them, okay? okay. And he he was kind of one of the boys, he was yeah. always with the cock jersey and the carry jersey and all these things, and he, he loved the banter, and... He was in the garden centre and he had uh, a great space and he had all the facilities below in Charleston. Now he's in, in um, he's in Newmarket. Okay. In, Which in is obviously, hub. okay, the new, the reason he's, he's been um, sent to uh, the hub in Newmarket, it's closer. Is that it? Is that the theory behind it? Uh, I presume, but we were told at a meeting that this is going to be a permanent thing, This that he won't be going back to Charleston anymore. This is the this is the permanent. This is going to be permanent. You know that they're going to open a place in Newmarket. I suppose, I presume that they're opening hubs everywhere, and I can understand that because of COVID. I can understand that. You know, but um, the problem I have here is that I am a home help myself. I started a quarter past eight in the morning. His hub is uh, stacking at half past eight, and I have I have no transport. The transport is not. Uh, um, we're told we have to take them ourselves. So I just rang management this morning and said, look, uh, I just can't do it, you know, because my husband was off work and uh, he was able to take him because he was he was sick and uh, he was able to take him up to now, but he's going back to work. And I said, you know, what am I going to do? And, well, I was told that I could call with a few people and I said to management, I said, sure, with COVID, uh, and social distancing, I can't do that. And I was told, well, you can if you're in the hub if, if, with the same people. So I can't understand why a bus, we were told that the bus can't take them because of social distancing, but they can go in a car, is what I was told this morning. Do you know what I'm saying? And previous to lockdown, uh, Nora, uh, did your son have a bus? Was there? Oh, yes. Yeah, collected yes. And, and, and dropped home. Like, we're gobsmacked that our transport is gone because our transport is vital. We live out in the country and our transport is just vital to us because, I mean, if I, if I fall down in the morning, my son can't go. He's no service. He just can't have no service. And, like, at the end of the day, he has the transport is as important as your service. 
that's what I was trying to tell the, the well, and I know when, when I spoke with Michael, I don't know if you heard Michael Moynihan's interview I on did, Monday. Yeah, uh, Michael, the, the one thing Michael is pushing for, exactly what you're saying, that there's yeah. no point offering a service to somebody if the transport isn't there. I mean, if your that's, son can't get to the service, then you might as well not be offered a service. That's exactly it. Like, there would be uh, 11 of us in the group in the Hope Newmarket. And all of us are, are like, we have meetings every week because we're so upset about everything that's going on. I, I do feel that we were pushed into this hub because of COVID, okay? And, but... Um, were you given a choice about going to the hub or leaving your son in Charleville? No, no, no. None, no. none of the 11. And, and I, why I don't understand is that how, how uh, they picked out so many uh, children or service users, they're adults actually, young adults, how they picked out those people. Now, my son is very quiet. He's, he's quiet and he will sit anywhere and I was told by management today he was happy. Now, they don't know whether he's happy or not because I can tell you he's not happy because he's one of these people that never forgets anything and he loved where he was. He was happy. And I will be grateful to, to Charles for all the things they did for him. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you know, the support they gave him down through the years, like I would have been lost without him. But at the end of the day, I'm here now. And like, it's very sad like, to think that as parents, that we, we, I, I'm just torn because we have to fight for every basic need that they have. Like all down through the years, I'm fighting, fighting, and I'm I'm getting very, very tired. I was, I'm, I'm uh, as I said, working, and I, I actually had to take two weeks off with burnout. I just, I wasn't able for it anymore. I just had to take two weeks off. I'm only back since Monday, and to be told now that I have no transport again, it's just, uh, I don't know where it's all going to end up. Anymore. And how far from your home is the hub in Newmarket? It's a good. 20 to 25 minutes. In Drive. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and it's 8.30 to what? What, what, what length of day is well, it? Well, uh, the management told me the start was 8.30 to 4 and now it's 8.30 to half the street. So I don't know, i be honest with you, but I'm not home until 4. So I have to, like they have, you know, and I can't have him on his own. You know, I mean, I'm stuck in the morning, I'm stuck in the evening. Uh, you know, I, I am trying to work. I'm trying to make a living. I love my work. It's the only thing that keeps me, makes things normal for me. I'm looking after my son for 39 years. And it's the, my normality is to go out to work and enjoy my work and come in and I'm able for my son. And, you know, and he's pleasant. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's not a... Uh, 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 very hassle. Yeah, he's not challenging. Whereas, whereas I when when I mentioned earlier about St Joseph's, um, I had a listener contact us talk about to talk about how challenging her son has become and how he's lashing out at her and uh, and like and she's afraid she fears for her life was what she said in a text. Yeah, and there are many there are other parents like that as well. What happens what happens to my son is that he's just sitting there and he's. You know, he's not saying anything because he doesn't, like he said to me one day, he he was taken down to Charleville one day before New Market opened and he said, Mom, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and how do I answer that to him? How do I answer that he's he never doesn't understand. going to go to Charleville? He's never again going to go. How will I answer that? 
you know, I mean, I at the moment, like, I'm just wondering here, and, and I have said it to management, like, um, you know, how are we all going to die and leave these people? Because we're fighting all our life for them. So who's going to fight for them when we're not there? I, I don't know. I know. You know, it is, it's just... Um, but if if you even had the transport, Nora, would that oh, yeah. that would that alleviate some of the pressure? Of course it would. Yeah. Of course it would. And you know, know, when did he start back? When did he start at the hub? Has he uh, about three weeks ago? About three, about weeks, three ago. weeks ago. Okay, yeah. you know, let's let's uh, like he'll make friends. You know that eleven, that little eleven group will. Let's try and look at the positives, and it's you know it could work out fantastically for him. But in the meantime, you need you certainly need the transport sources. Oh, definitely. We I like the, the transport. Like we are out in the middle of the country. We're like if if I don't if I can't take him, I, he can't go. I was talking to a man the other day. He, he'd be in his eighties, and he wasn't able to take his son uh, because of, for some other commitment. And he said, "Well, he has to stay at home." You know, and he just said, "You know, that's it." So, but I mean, like in like. I am only three years from retiring, so like I'm worried sick that when when I retire and mightn't be able to drive, what? How will my son go then? If our transport goes now, we have nothing. We've we might as well not have any service. We might as well keep them at home. And I was told by management today. I said, look, if I if I I mightn't be able to take him, and all I got was, well, he had a service, you know. Okay, we'll uh, we'll send an email off to see if if and and uh, have you been in contact with with Michael Moynihan? Oh Clark yes, Dor- yeah, those are yes, deputy. Yes, right, we have okay. been in contact. Michael Moynihan oh. is really working for all of us here now. And like I would, uh, I I will call on the government, please, and to the HSC to provide funding for transport for these forgotten people. They're forgotten, totally forgotten. You know, you hear about everything. You hear about all the what's going on and what's open and what's closing and what uh, the pubs and everything. But these people don't even be mentioned. These are human beings. They have feelings, the very same as every other uh, person. And they have rights, you know, and they have a right to their service and they have a right to their transport. What amazes me is that Charlotte can come on and say that they can give transport to the children going down to Charles and then going to Liskinet, but they cannot give any transport to us. I, I don't understand this. I mean, that's discrimination. Okay, listen, you're, you're, you're an incredible advocate on behalf of your son. You need to look after yourself, though, as well. And in the meantime, we will contact St. Joseph's Foundation just to see well, if we uh, can get... Well, I say I'm speaking for all... The I know, I know, I know. know. Okay, listen, you mind yourself, Nora, okay? Thank you for Take care. Thank no you. no Thank problem, no problem. Uh, what a great advocate. And it, she shouldn't have to be advocating. She, it's just, they are, again, that word that keeps coming up and that phrase that keeps coming up, the forgotten people. Uh, 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 There's another call in from somebody whose daughter is attending the new Charleville Hub in Newmarket not happy uh, with it um, I'm a carer myself for my brother-in-law but the lady that she's referring to is in her 70s caring for her daughter her daughter is now currently just sitting at home looking out the window it's just so upsetting okay listen we will get on uh, to uh, Charleville and see if we can get clarification okay that's where I leave you for today with a reminder that I won't be with you tomorrow uh, John Paul uh, will be taking over the programme as Marcia settles back into her new hub uh, but I'll 
I'll be back with you on Monday morning. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Thanks to John Paul and uh, Sadie uh, for all their work today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.